Welcome to Tomorrow's Tech Today, bringing you the latest in technology, talent, and transformational change. With me, your host, Professor Sally Eaves. Hi, everyone, and a very warm welcome to Tomorrow's Tech Today, bringing you the latest in technology, talent, and transformational change. I'm your host, Professor Sally Eve, CEO of Aspirational Futures, and today we're focusing on next generation security operations right across technology, education, and culture too. And to do this, I'm joined by the fantastic Leslie Kipling, who is Chief Security Advisor at Microsoft. Welcome to the show, Leslie. Hey, Sally, thank you for having me. It's really great to be here. Oh, thank you so much. Always a pleasure. And I just think it'd be fantastic to really kind of set the scene for our chat today by sharing with the audience a little bit more about your current role and kind of how you got there. You know, your journey from geologist to chief security advisor, I think that's super interesting and encapsulated in your mission on LinkedIn to secure the planet and beyond too. I absolutely love that. <laughs> a little bit of Buzz Aldrin in there somewhere. Absolutely. Or even indeed Buzz Elisha. So yeah, I think two different lives actually, Sally. And interestingly, they did intersect at one point. And I think um, partly the aligning interests it was really around um, be, trying to be, become an astronaut, which um, I grew up in Africa. Right? There wasn't too much of an astronaut program in Africa. But the the sheer amount of science fiction I read and that sort of thing really kind of drove me down this, this science route. And, you know, it, it just, it was interesting to me because even as um, a geologist, actually, I was a, I was a chemist as well. It's the first time I actually saw people trying to do things because uh, I was working on a precious uh, metals refinery. And the amount of inventiveness of people to actually try and steal stuff was amazing to me. And I think that really started to, to tickle that bone about, okay, well, if I can't be out there in that lovely weather in Africa and I have to be in the, in the UK, which, by the way, was a travel thing. So I was only ever going to be here for two years and that's. 25 years later essentially the the ability to then start thinking about let's let's do something that's uh you know passion and i got into cyber security and i tell you what i've never looked back it's so it's just so dynamic and so interesting changes all the time fantastic i absolutely love that and shared interest by the way around space i i want to keep looking above me because there's a book here called <laughs> the orbital perspective um yeah, by a excellent. friend of mine ron garren and it's just amazing so absolutely shared trajectory around that i, I love it mm. what you were saying there about the sophistication the speed the dynamism of everything around cybersecurity is such an important point i think can really attract more people into the industry as well and it's such an exciting place to be thinking about that a little bit more as well this this threat landscape that we've got at the moment continually evolving how do you think that COVID has impacted that and potentially accelerated things? And I wonder if you could share maybe more around a, an attack story to put this into context. So it's a really interesting time, I think. And, and certainly, you know, um, I think that's the Chinese curse, isn't it? May you live in interesting times. But um, the pandemic, essentially, uh, because there were so many businesses trying to get their people up and running in, in situations where they hadn't planned for any of this stuff. You know, we saw a lot of uh, tech being implemented without thinking about the security perspective. And we know for a fact, for example, that phishing emails went through the roof. Um, so that social engineering capability that attackers really focus a lot on. And in fact, in the security world, we really think of social engineering potentially as being one of the biggest problems that um, we see going forward because it's all about, you know, human psychology and, and trying to help people or try to get people to do something that you want them to do. So yes, definitely COVID impacted. I think there was a, a there was a good benefit of that, if you like, from a working from home because it really did uh, expose potential problems that maybe you know employees weren't working for, maybe different work dynamics and different you know, for example, working from home when you have uh, uh, kids that are um, you know having to be homeschooled 
and and just that sort of dynamic. So people really started to think about the people part of that equation, which I think is really key to uh, key to the story. Absolutely, I, I couldn't agree more. I think sometimes that people side, the cultural factors and the education and awareness side of things doesn't get as much coverage, but yeah. it's absolutely key. You know, I keep looking at some of the rises around smaller businesses, um, increasing vulnerabilities there. And again, coming back to this education and culture and awareness, so, so huge. So I'm really oh. glad you brought that to the fore there. And talking about oh. education, actually, <laughs> as well, the recent CISO executive briefing right. that you were really highly involved in and I attended, I absolutely love that. Such a lot of great yeah. knowledge sharing at that event. And one of the things kind of drilling into your presentation there, you were talking about the new Cyber Defence Operations Centre and really bringing to the fore some of the differences, the advantages from a more traditional security operations centre. I'd love it if you could share some more around that with the audience, because I felt that was incredibly valuable. Yeah, um, so it's interesting. to, And we're very proud of the CDOC, by the way. So the Cyber Defence Operations Centre is our next gen SOC. Um, but what we were saying about the people aspects, I think, is key to that, because, yes, there's the fact that we get all of this telemetry and, and just a key statistic, we get over eight trillion signals a day. So you have to think about the human side of that, the, the impact, you know, the ability uh, for people to potentially get very overwhelmed by all these alerts, alert fatigue, we call it, potentially just focusing on, on maybe the wrong things and just, just drowning in data. So the way that we do that is essentially we have machine learning uh, right at the front end. So that that takes care of uh, 90% true positive is what we work on. But then, you know, the interesting thing for that is we go into, so we don't really have tiers the way a traditional SOC would have it, which is, you know, tier one, tier two, tier three. We kind of think about skills and capabilities. So we amalgamate that into kind of like a high-speed remediation team. So it doesn't matter, you know, we have people there who've been there for a very long time. People, in fact, who come directly from university, because one of the key things about using machine learning is we can hire people directly from university. Six to eight weeks, we can train them up because we're not looking for security people. I mean, there's that, that huge shortage we always talk about from the security perspective. Uh, so that, I think, is, is key to be able to plan a, a pipeline, get the diversity um, you know, that we're, we're all very passionate about into um, security, but not necessarily expect people to have a very um, you know, big security background. But the other unexpected benefit for us is, in fact, we actually we now retain a lot of people. So it's one thing to get people interested in the, the work, and then it's another thing entirely to keep them interested in the work, <laughs> retaining them, right? We actually managed to keep them for longer because it, it means that we are, we've been careful about how we balance that work-life balance. And as you may know, when you're talking about security and incident response, the, the work-life balance doesn't tend to be so good. And you do you suffer from burnout potentially. Um, so it's really about thinking the retention and what we can allow people there to do. For example, we do something called One Hunt, which is really very much around, um, let's go look at the cold path hunting mechanisms. Let's see what else the attackers are doing. So uh, it's a fascinating place. As I said, we're very proud of it because it's an amalgamation of all the different teams. And I think we have something like seven red teams at Microsoft, um, three and a half thousand people. So, you know, we, we I can't say that there are too many other organizations on the planet that have that kind of capability. That is super impressive. I love that. You really brought that to life there. I felt I was in the building, so to speak, as you were describing that. I love that. It feels truly integrated across the whole spectrum of all the aspects that matter across cybersecurity, which is exactly what you need to be able to negate the threats that you highlighted earlier. So that's hugely important. You touched on there as well around diversity of experience. I love what you mentioned there about your kind of strategy around hiring as well. I love that, really looking at um, kind of the attitude um, and the people factors, not just a certain very specific skill set, because there's so many things that you can teach, but that attitude, that um, willingness to learn, that curiosity is something that you possibly can't. So I love the approach you're taking there around the hiring strategy as well. 
But what do you think we can do more broadly? We've touched on some of the skills gaps. So cybersecurity being one of them, probably AI, blockchain being another two areas as well, where we don't have as many women in tech, but also more, more breadth of diversity of experience in technology as mm. well. What do you think we can do there to help grow this particular aspect and encourage more people in and really support that? So Microsoft is really focused on that. And, and there was a there's that thing about culture eats strategy for breakfast, doesn't it? You know, um, so I think the culture is very different. Uh, one of the key things I like to talk about is the fact that we're not the Microsoft that your father maybe knew, right? Very heavily focused on diversity and inclusion. And that comes, you know, even from the neurodiversity perspective. We do publish a 2020, uh, back in 2020, we published our um, latest diversity and inclusion report. And of course, you know, we're making incremental changes to try, well, we're trying big changes, you know, but it's, it's a difficult problem to solve. And one of the things I think that's key to that is whether or not, you know, you actually need a STEM background, which people have said that you need for a long time. And actually you don't, because an example would be, as you mentioned, AI. So ethical AI is one of the key or one of the big societal problems that we are faced with today. You know, and so we have psychologists in the team. I'll tell you for a fact, we have um, an ex-Bollywood dancer in one of our, our, Love our detection and response teams. So um, it, it's really key to us. We really want to be able to have that kind of different mindsets, different diversity of thought, you know, not just of gender, but uh, that's obviously a big um, problem for us, trying to get more women into it. But again, you know, trying to do that retention. So one of the key things in the pandemic, for example, was, um, you know, again, maybe that highlighted a, a imbalance in how much it impacted women kind of over men from, from the point of view of they tend to be the caregivers. But regardless of that, you know, Microsoft, if you were a primary caregiver, basically said, you know, <laughs> take a couple of weeks off, just go in and uh, relax and, you know, get back into things. So the remote working thing, as I said, I think has really been impactful in terms of, of helping employers understand that their businesses run on people. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more strongly. I think it's shown you know, the art of the possible in terms of different arrangements around certain roles, shown what can work and what can work so well. And yeah. everything you were touching on there around diversity of experience. And, you know, it's not just the right thing to do. It also makes sense in every way, doesn't it? In terms of you know, every research and just practical experience going really shows that all teams who've got that diversity are happier, they're more productive, it reduces the risk of implicit bias. Everything you look at, it just makes such a difference. So I think what you're doing there to really help cultivate that and embed that by culture, by design and do that incremental approach to doing more and more things to encourage that I think it's huge it's a real leadership position so I absolutely love that and a quick vote for steam from from my personal perspective as well I do a lot of this with my non-profit but it's really that holistic integration of skills so around the specific technologies but things around you know emotional intelligence problem solving skills communication to help you get that buy-in within the organization all of those things coming together I think um, continual learning for life has probably never mattered more um, that that does at the moment. So everything you're doing to support that, I absolutely love. So thank you. Thank you for sharing about that. I completely agree. I had somebody came coming at one point who basically said that, you know, there's a, there's a very small minority. It's about 0.001% of, of the planet that's actually devising software for the rest of the planet. So, um, you know, thinking about how you take that into, how you balance that, right, between all of the different um, different ways of working, you know, the modalities and things like that as well, and learning. So talking about education and knowledge sharing more broadly, another thing that's really caught my eye is the amount of knowledge sharing coming from Microsoft. So one recent example would be the mitigation plan around human-operated ransomware. And you've got no paywall, no gate to access, which is so, so important to democratise access to this really critical information. So I wondered how much of your role centres on this, the people factors that have come across so strongly today, 
around education, culture and skills alongside the more technical aspects of security. I just wanted to find out a bit more about that balance from your role perspective. So, I mean, you know, funny enough, it's all about communications, right? And sometimes I worry about whether or not we're oversharing. Um, is there such a thing as oversharing? I don't know. But sometimes there's so much information out there that it's actually trying to find the right information. So you're right. You know, um, I went to Ipcot, uh, again, from Africa years and years ago. And, you know, the, the Ipcot village there. And, and that really was something that put me on the path to, to this type of uh, role because, you know, the big societal problems that we have, for example, where people are uh, misinformation, you know, the fact that they're always online, the fact that they, you know, they never switch off, and that's having an impact today, right? So I think the interesting thing for me is that tech has a duty of due care, shall we say, or duty of care to to think about how we interact with the planet in a way that's saving the planet and not hurting the planet. So, you know, I'm looking behind you and you're going tech for good. Absolutely agree with that. But we have to be able to, it's about enabling people, isn't it, to do something and, and do it in a way which is sensitive to how we do that without, as I say, impacting, um, being too impactful. Fantastic examples there. Thank you so much for sharing that, Leslie. I love that. And another thing that caught my eye, again, on the education theme, but really diving into with my research hat on, this really caught my eye. So we've got the situation at the moment, you know, IoT devices set to double by 2025, and we've got this increasing convergence, cyber and physical, this hybridity really across IT and OT. And you've written about this very recently, in fact, new research paper, really looking at the power of the cloud, advancements in machine learning and integrating signals. So I'd love it if you could dive into a little bit more of that new research and share the key findings with the audience, because I was super impressed by that. Yeah, so uh, thank you, because I've really learned a lot about that. So as I say, having been in the industry for a long time, we can see that the threat actors don't really care if it's OT or IoT or IT. Um, I think the IoT uh, devices, you know, if we can, if we're not focused on getting security built into to the platform, we are in a position, you know, I always talk about uh, tackle the refrigerators, you know, with somebody sends you a whole whack of pizzas, for example. Um, so we have to think about how we build uh, security in at the beginning. So we talk a lot about in security terms these days about shifting left, don't we? Uh, being able to, to integrate the security into the platform itself. So thinking about it from a firmware perspective. And I think that that is uh, key, you know, specifically for uh, defenders is being able to see what signal is coming out of that. That means that somebody's doing something bad about that. And, and actually, if we can't, integrate that with automation in a way that means we can stop something very quickly. Now, of course, from an OT perspective, we have safety considerations. We potentially have uh, lives at risk. Um, so we have to be careful about what we can do. But without knowing what's happening, uh, we've seen a recent trend uh, in terms of the attackers actually going after these uh, safety systems themselves, uh, which is concerning, right? Um, so we really want to be able to see what the attackers are doing from that perspective. And that integration of the signal, I think, is key. Absolutely. No, brilliant. Absolutely touched on some so many key points there around that integration, that visibility. And I think this is a huge area that will get more and more focus. So fantastic job putting that right out there at the moment. Thank I you. really, really appreciate your research. In that area. I think that's fantastic. And maybe talking about one more trend, actually. So more around the small, medium business area. Mm. Another trend that I've been seeing is increased vulnerability in that particular area. A lot of research is showing somewhere around the 400% mark in terms of that increased vulnerability per year. So how do you think we can do more around protecting um, this critical area of the economy that delivers so much, maybe from that education and awareness point of view again? Yeah, and I think, you know, we have a lot of programs that we're, we're trying to um, initiate because it's a very different uh, dynamic with small medium business. So, for example, um, we just had the recent out of band for exchange. Um, and one of the key things that, you know, all of the communications that we did around that was really geared towards enterprise organizations that have dedicated teams of, of people to do this. But, 
you know, if you think of, um, and I used to run my own medium business, so I remember, um, actually small business. Um, so I remember what that was like, right? Cables hanging everywhere and just having like some, some stuff basically underneath the desk while we were busy doing other things. Cause that's not the core part of the business, but IT basically allows or enables, um, business to do that, but that's not, as I say, your core focus. So, you know, if something's going on, you may be not even been aware about it. It's a, it's a complicated problem. I certainly welcome any sort of, uh, suggestions you might have in that area, Sally. But as I say, you know, there are some, some programs that we're going through. We work a lot with partners to be able to, uh, try to reach those, those areas. Uh, one of the things that we do now is we set up the, the shops you know, the Microsoft um, store so that you can go in and basically talk to somebody from that perspective. So I think it's trying to to approach it from a top-down perspective and a bottom-up perspective. So if we can get security into the hands of individual people in a way that means that they love their devices. And so it's really about customer obsession because if you can drive the, the customer to be, I want this device even for my business, then, you know, that security is already built into the product and, and to the platform. Absolutely. I, t- I couldn't agree more. And in terms of my particular take on that, I think there's a couple of things. So one, going back to the research, I've got a paper that comes out later on this year. So I'm kind of really active in that at the moment that's really focused on this very specific subject. And I'm doing a lot of interviews and things to bring to the fore what people are kind of struggling with. And some of the early findings of that are more perception based, actually, in terms of the perception that the time the level of complication, the complexity around things means this isn't something that's available for me. And more showing that actually there's a lot out there that is relevant and within your price point, it's and it's not overly complicated, that can really help you. So I think there's a change in the narrative position potentially about what support there is out there for small businesses and the technology yeah. that can make a difference and actually save you time um, and how core it is for your everyday reality. So some of those aspects I think are going to be particularly important. And I'll be sharing that in a couple of months time because I'm nearly at the finishing point on that. I look forward to that. But it's interesting because you touched on something which uh, is kind of near and dear to my heart, which is, you know, trying to train people to be security experts. Uh, and I think, again, it's back to the language. You know, I understand that security, uh, sorry, sorry, that people are your or employees are your last mile. So you really want them to be thinking about some of the stuff. But, you know, if I take my parents as an example, you can't teach them to be security people. So I really want the the technology and the platforms to um, to allow that kind of transparency. You know, if I click on a link, well, actually, I'm mostly protected or I am protected because the technology is, you know, looking after sort of my best interests. Now, I think we're, I don't think we're there yet. I think we've got a way to go, but I think the technology is actually improving. I think um, AI and machine learning uh, specifically at the moment is, is key to that, you know, that big benefit going forward. I couldn't agree more. It's a very kind of ethos, really, of human-machine partnership, mm. isn't it? If we've got so much that kind of a helping hand that is actually supporting and taking away the vast majority of threats before we have to even think about it, that is where we're, we're trying to reach to, isn't it? I, I couldn't agree more. That's so, so important. Um, so, yeah, I love that example. I think that's absolutely huge. And talking about research, actually, there's one other thing that kind of popped into my head literally as we're speaking is the converse side of this as well. So we've got this big focus that I think is a growing focus on supporting small, medium-sized business, but also just turning it around to the enterprise perspective. Something that's coming up in new research, but also some of the kind of C-suite conversations I'm having as well is there's been so much push towards digital transformation, particularly around cloud over the last year, such a huge acceleration and big investment in that. But one thing that's been left behind is some of the more regular patching activity. So the infrastructure research, there's been kind of pauses on on supporting that area. And so that's created vulnerabilities as well. Mm -hmm. So 
whatever spectrum you're looking at, we need to make sure we're doing that continual 365-day support. And a lot of things we've talked about here right across tech, process, people and culture and that shared responsibility at all levels of the organisation, whether you're big or small, um, is going to be huge to support that going forward. Well, and I think, you know, this is what the scale of the cloud gives us, right, is the ability to do that kind of continuous assessment. And I, I, I'm with you, you know, I speak to customers who say to me, um, oh, we can't update uh, with any any degree of, of us. in some cases, it's like eight years to update, you know. And I think that that's where we're trying to shift for. So, you know, we've got this evergreen approach, which essentially is, you know, if you're running uh, Windows 10, for example, then we're going to keep you up to date. Um, just simply because the partly the problem of backward compatibility means that we're you know continuously trying to make sure that the ecosystem is being protected from basically old technology. But also, you know, if you think about it from an identity perspective, which is what we know the attackers are going after, that's a, a complicated question or, or something you know from a, a anomalous behavior perspective to be able to detect because it's a legitimate account. He's not doing anything that he's not supposed to be doing. But again, that that ability to stitch together the signal and look for those anomalous behaviors is what the power of the cloud linked with machine learning uh, gives us the ability to do, which is, I, I think, honestly, it's it's the key to how we win as defenders, right? which doesn't mean to say the bad guys aren't going to try and, you know, um, circumvent that, that technology, but it does give us the visibility into what they're doing, which I think is key today. Absolutely. I love that phrase, by the way, the key to how we're going to win as defenders. I might might use that to kind of profile the conversation there. That is brilliant. I'm seeing that my head works in images as well as as well as yeah. the writing side of things. And I'm, I'm almost seeing that imagery coming to the fore. It reminds me of the, the briefing, actually, where you had those defender icons that were coming coming to the fore. In the I love that. The creativity around that was absolutely amazing. You, you kind of brought back that memory there. That's fantastic. So just rounding off our conversation today, Leslie, so much information, a real deep dive into all aspects of cybersecurity, really holistic. So I love that. I had a bit of a chat with some of my um, Twitter community and asking about other questions to ask you about beyond security. And you almost touched on something earlier, so I think you're going to like this question. But they wanted to know more about what Microsoft's doing and anything you're doing in your role that's around the tech for good stroke sustainability aspect. Anything you could share about um, your work in that particular area? It's resonating with so many people at the moment, which which personally is a real joy because it's something I'm very, very passionate about. I just wondered if you had any closing thoughts on that area. Oh, I, do. I mean, it's one of the reasons why I still work for Microsoft after all these years, because, you know, again, this, this duty of care um, towards the planet, towards people to, you know, and I genuinely think we, we're in a position now nowadays where the big tech companies really do have that duty of care. And, you know, for example, things like um, the Tech Accord, which uh, Brad Smith talks about in terms of being able to say, look, you know, the, this, the fact that you are going off to safety systems and OT is, is really concerning. You know, let's think about almost like a Geneva Convention for tech so that we can, you know, try and get, because as you may know, um, we have the problem with legal instruments that we can't use because there isn't a, a, a direct um, agreement with the, that country maybe to extradite somebody who's done something bad. Um, there's political instruments. So one of the things that we uh, always worry about is maybe doing attribution because there's so many false flag attacks. You know, again, the, the sort of sustainability but on that point, actually, um, you may be aware that Microsoft had our own uh, data center that was submersible. So it was actually submersed off the, off of the coast of Scotland, which I thought was fantastic because we actually used to have, we put um, cameras on the outside of it. Um, so you can see the fish um, swimming around, right? So Brilliant. again, closely me measuring that. So of course, it's great because we're basically, um, you know, because of the compute comes with uh, the fact that it releases power. 
Um, but we had to be very careful about monitoring the situation to make sure that we weren't raising the temperature of the surrounds in a way that would Im impact the, the ecosystem. It's things like that, which I just think are, are fascinating. So we, we're very focused on water, sustainability, going green. Um, you know, there's, a, there's an awful lot of information out there on the Microsoft um, storyboard, if you like, about some of the, the key uh, drivers that we're, we're looking to meet um, very soon, actually. I love that. And what I'll do as well is I'll share um, with the audience some of the links to some of the aspects you were talking about there, because I think they're well worth sharing. And I, I love that. And I love the fact that this is becoming truly embedded. You know, it's not an afterthought. It's not an add on. This is something that's at the heart of a heart of business and society. So I'm really loving the sustained commitment to that. So I wanted to give a bit of a shout out to that because it's so, so important to have leadership in that area. And I think the more we see of that, the more we see the actions around that, it more encourages others and it can help build that contagion of change that we, that we really need for, to support sustainability. So thank you, Leslie. I appreciate that. You're welcome. And, and you know, this is not, this is something that some of my customers have spoken to me about directly saying that Microsoft has a duty of care and, you know, what are you doing in these um, situations? So uh, one word answer is yes, we agree. Well, that's three, but you know, um, it's certainly something that we're focused on. So fantastic duty of care, duty to community. I, I couldn't agree more. And one thing you mentioned there a little bit as well is transparency and the measurement around Plus, that as well. Yeah. Such an important area going forward. You know, we've always had kind of ROI, haven't we? Return on investment. And in the in the book I'm writing at the moment, I talk about like return on impact and that social commitment. And I think we're really getting to a strong point around this at the moment, which really excites me because it's really the right thing to do. So thank you so much, Leslie. Honestly, oh, you're such a joy. I uh, had a, such a deep dive all around cybersecurity, but how that's positioned with all the other elements of the organization and leadership in the sector as well, from inclusion right through to sustainability. So I think a really holistic but integrated look there. So thank you, Lisa, for your time. I've really enjoyed speaking to you. You're welcome. And you you can tell, hopefully, that we're very passionate about this subject. So uh, hopefully the love and the passion, come and join us. We have cookies, or is that the dark side? Um, but I really look forward to your book as well, Sally. So um, yeah, you. good luck with that. Good work. Thank you so much. And thank you for your time, Leslie. And I hope everyone in the audience has really enjoyed our conversation today. So that closes our latest episode of Tomorrow's Tech Today. I hope you can join us again soon. And we'll be sharing this shortly with lots of links to some of the case studies and examples that Leslie really brought to life there. So thank you, everyone. Speak to you soon. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this episode of Tomorrow's Tech Today. If you enjoy what we're doing, please subscribe to us and leave a review. It really means a lot. You can also follow us on Twitter and Instagram and see more behind the scenes video footage on YouTube. Thanks for listening.